0: Danielle, this is your girl Brie Undeniably, checking in for another episode of my speaker series, Deep Conversations with Dope Individuals, where we're discussing development, decision making, and dedicating yourself to purpose. Today, as always, I'm here with another super dope individual. Um, I am really excited to introduce him But before I do Y'all know I like to get the shoutouts out in the beginning Because I forget in the end So uh, (laughs) first and foremost um, If you are watching this on YouTube Or if you're listening to it Wherever you get your podcasts uh, We are shouting out Gotham Podcast Studios They are the ones hooking it up with the audio And the video for this production So I am so excited to be working with them They are amazing So shout out to Gotham Number two uh (laughs) shout out to mc kicks if you have not already checked them out they have sponsored me since day one uh mc kicks will do uh customized kicks denims really all of your customized needs in streetwear so you can check them out at e-m-c-e-e-k-i-c-k-s if you add a dot com you'll get to the website or you can (laughs) check them out on social media and finally you got to pump yourself up when you're doing something for yourself. So if you have not checked out my website, you can go there, BreeUndeniably.com. That's where you can get all of your dope individual merch, uh, the I Am Possible merch, and you can check out all the other cool things that I'm doing. So different speaking engagements, workshops, and everything in between. Uh, If I have not shown y'all already, I've got my dope individual backpack here. So uh, if you do want that, it actually says I Am Possible at the top. I don't know if everyone can see that, but um, definitely go check that out, briandeniably Okay, record time. Got all uh, of my, nice. got all my outs out. Yeah, thank strong. you so much. Yeah, I've r- really been practicing that. Yeah, <laughs> I would. So, um, without further ado, I am here with Dr. Andrew Summers, who also goes by Drew. Drew, yeah. Drew, Just um, call me Drew. So uh, I certainly will. I'm pumped to have you. Yeah, How are you doing? I'm
1: doing well. Thanks for having
0: me. Great. Awesome. I'm happy to have you. So I'm going to give you the introduction that you deserve, and then we are going to kick right into it.
1: Sounds good.
0: All right. So Drew, uh, 12 years down the path to becoming an orthopedic surgeon, Drew's life took an unexpected turn. As a result, he decided to pivot away from his surgical training in the healthcare system to find new purpose and direction. As a result, he has come to this podcast, which I'm so grateful for to have him because it is quite a story to tell from beginning to end. Um, as a new entrepreneur and a mo- motivational speaker, uh, he just started his own podcast titled Doc on Fire, and is simultaneously launching his 501c3 nonprofit project, the Delta Commission. Uh, Drew is focused on improving the lives of everyone around him and plans to speak from past experience on some of the most emotionally charged, diverse, and inflammatory topics in a new way. He hopes what he has to share will start to collectively bring us together so that we can begin to heal the deep wounds that shape our, our human experience in a negative way. Drew, welcome again to the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so, I mean, so much in that bio already. I mean, I know that we have a ton to talk about. Yeah. I know um, that I'm lucky enough to know many pieces of your story at this point. We've chatted a few times. So, um, you know, there's just going to be So much great information. Stay tuned for this whole episode, please. Um, Drew, the way that I like to start the podcast is in the counseling community, we like to meet our clients where they're at. Mm -hmm. I like to do the same thing so that my listeners can really understand the guests. So help us meet you where you're at and tell us a little bit more about yourself.
1: Yeah, where I'm at. Man, life is a journey. I am at exactly where I'm supposed to be, I think, Um, to be honest. We met at a time in my life where I am at my best Mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, um, and in terms of direction and focus. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really been quite the journey. And so you're meeting me after uh, years and years of struggle and pain and adversity, and it's worth it. You just (laughs) keep fighting. Don't ever quit. And you could end up being pretty dope talking to Brick. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: is this is just the beginning for yeah. anyone that's you know and I get excited about yeah. that I like to meet people who are at any phase in their journey and um, you know you've you've had several and you said it's been so many years of uh, adversity I yeah. guess we can we can say and um, I really want to get into that right away and I think that you have a, a story to tell so um, where would you say that your your story, begins
1: like everything and a lot of things that i want to talk about it all starts at home Mm -hmm. it's my story starts at home i'm from oregon originally Mm -hmm. um i come from an amazing family man i'm so blessed uh my parents are still married it's like straight up notebook you know Um, yeah my parents are a true love story and we have a small family i have a little brother Um, he's doing his thing but when i was a kid like if you come from a family like mine and a and are blessed to have that upbringing then you're taught to see the world in a certain way mm-hmm. in terms of what's right and wrong um, and you're told that you're loved and you're told that you can do anything you want to do and you're supported and you really are able to develop as a kid without pressure in terms of things that are outside influences meaning that while we all have these like challenges in life as we grow up, if you have a playbook um, to try to navigate life, it's much easier, I think. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my story starts, is that I I was fortunate enough to have the playbook, right? So, um, and the drive and everything that my father gave me, work ethic and all those things. And I threw it away.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, classic.
1: Yeah, classic, <laughs> classic kid. I mean, I was... Um, threw it away. I was lucky enough to be naturally gifted at everything. I and mean, you can't tell I'm six foot eight. Um, and so I got a basketball scholarship after high school, but I was actually good. <laughs> so people are like, oh, you're just tall. <laughs> didn't have uh, to do with the height. No, you had that's skill pretty, too. Pretty yeah. good. Um, but I never, I never pushed myself. I never practiced on my own time. And um, because I was an immature kid and I didn't want it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then when I got to uh, college, I enjoyed it for everything that it was except for going to class. And eventually they told me, hey, Drew, you can't go here anymore. And I'm like, why not? Because like, you actually have to go to school. Like logical. logical. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I, during that point in my life, um, you know, I broke bad. Mm-hmm. Pretty bad. I'm very fortunate to not, to actually be here, to be honest, uh, in terms of being alive. But also um, as a physician, you can't progress in life to some of these career Choices if you have a felony, for example. Um, And so I was able to escape a lot of poor choices at a rate which is honestly indescribable. Mm -hmm. Like the probability of me making it through some of the things that I went through um, by sheer luck. Wow. And so I think that without getting too detailed, it's just, you know, having to learn real-time, like, if I don't make the right decision, my life is over, right? And we each have a choice when that decision or that event comes up. And so for me, when I was a kid, I had an event that was like, Drew, if you don't change tomorrow, you're going to go to prison. Mm -hmm. We're going to die. And literally, it was like that background blueprint that you have, right? I had it. And so when I decided to listen and decided to change my life like i had the playbook mm-hmm. right so it was easier for me um it's still fucking hard but yeah. like it, it was easier for me than for example um some of the kids in, in the inner cities that are dealing with all kinds of shit that i'll never deal with a as a color of my skin but b is just the function of the environment to the mm-hmm. level and the magnitude that it was i mean i associated myself with the street in portland oregon I mean, I'll be the first to admit, like, that's like, like, child's play compared to what goes on and what I saw as an a orthopedic surgery resident at Penn Presbyterian taking care of gunshot victims, mm-hmm. right? I mean, but the the feel is still there. The authenticity yes. is still there. The yeah. realness and appreciation for the struggle, even though um, I didn't live it myself in terms of being white versus my brother who's black um you know so progressing to where i am now i had to make a decision and i had all those playbooks right i had i had that playbook because of my past and <clears throat> i walked into t mobile and changed my phone number and deleted all my contacts because i knew that i was too weak to do it and have people calling me and have people pulling me back because the truth is is that we all want to be liked as individuals, mm-hmm. right? And so when you try to do something that's against the status quo, you usually do what a want. And for me to change my life, I literally had to ghost my entire life, all my friends, my family, basically, um, and take off. Wow. And I had a lot of guilt. I still do, to be honest. Yeah. There's one thing in my life that I haven't fully dealt with. I know what it is. I've emotionally dealt with it, but I haven't dealt with some of the guilt from leaving my best friend.
0: Wow. My brother, because
1: he's, he's dead now. And so, to bring it back to making these decisions, um, you have to commit. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I can put it. And so, I committed to living a better life. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, with the guilt uh, and what I was involved in, there was a lot of drugs at the time, and um, I fell into addiction. And being very unstable in terms of my home situation, uh, my parents had disowned me because when you come from a family like that and you don't act the way you're supposed to act, then you're really not welcome back in the home. It's a function of your choice. Right? Mm-hmm. My parents love me, but they don't know me. Right. And so, you know, dealing with drug addiction and everything, I was um, really struggling. I'm two to now. I was like one ninety eight. Um, I was really sick. Wow. Um, um, I went and asked my father for help. I'll never forget it. He said, son, it breaks my heart that I could stroke a check and all of your problems would go away. But I won't do it. And it was then that I realized like how much of a disappointment I had been to my father, to my family, to my own name, to myself. And um, it was really painful. So I didn't talk to my dad for... I don't know, say three years after that. And it wasn't because I was mad. It was because I was ashamed. Yeah. Right. So I was still on drugs at the time. So how do you get out of that? Well, you make a choice, you commit. And yeah, I know from experience it's hard because guess how many times I had to commit to get off drugs? Like a 100. Right. And so that's, yeah. My father's an amazing man. He told me one time, unrelated, that Drew doesn't matter how. Deep the hole, is that you're in. When you decide to stop digging it, and you want to get out of it, it's as simple as making an individual, single choice one at a time. Because life will present you with choices: Do I do this or do I do that? What is the right choice to make?
2: Mm-hmm. Right,
1: and the right one is usually not popular. It's not going out with your friends. It's not, you know, running after the girls. It's staying home, doing your homework, or like, you know, uh, saving money to meet your goals or whatever it is, your face is a choice. For me, it was like don't do drugs. And that was really hard. <clears throat> because you have all the uh the pain and all the um you know the guilt and the, the pull of the drug itself. And so every morning I told myself today's the day, let's make that decision. And I liken those decisions to like little building blocks that you get when you're a kid, like A B C with little colors on them. Mm-hmm. Like every single good decision I make I get a block. And eventually i made a good decision i got a block and i just stacked those up uh, i was able to to get myself clean without going to rehab or without doing any programs which are very important But just for me i just, just will powered the shit out of it yeah um and then i needed to get a job and so i walked onto a car lot and ended up selling cars for almost a decade before sitting at a car lot a little heavier than i am now looking <laughs> out the window and thinking is this my life
0: let's pause there yeah. let's pause there because you have given just so much information about your story right now yeah. and i want to highlight a few pieces I'm trying that, to keep it like really oh, but yeah. I, <laughs> no i get I'm it you're you feel that way. You're, um, you're definitely just you know sort of giving these pieces that i know are important for people listening and really. watching to hear um a few things that are really popping out for me one your your commitment to that choice that mm. a, a You made a choice that seemed like it was a pivotal moment in your life. Yeah, but many. Um, And you committed. And what was just in that choice specifically, or of the many pivotal choices that you made, like what makes it different than the the choices that preceded it? You know, the thoughts that came of wanting to make the choice but not committing. Like, where did that actual commitment stem from for you?
1: I think this is the first time I actually verbalizing this. I think that it is the beginnings of starting to come into who I was as a person, Mm. like starting to really understand who I am and what I value. And a lot of that is framed off of, you know, how I was raised. And so when I, when I'm doing things that aren't in tune or aren't in line with my actual values, right. And let me tell you, like I put values on the back burner for a long time and like they didn't exist for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I'm not proud of it, but I own it. Yeah. You know? And yeah. And so for me, that, that, that is really, I think the beginnings of me deciding who I am and what I stand for. It was like, I'm not acting in the way that I think, mm-hmm. you know, I'm fake. Wow. You know, that, like, I was fake as fuck. To be yeah. Honest. And so sorry for swearing, but like, no, it's, it's, it's so, real. And so it's okay. <laughs> when you, when you go along with, with the flow of whatever people want or what other people dictate, like, and you don't have your own voice or you're doing something you don't really want to do, but you're doing it. As collectively as a group, you lose yourself, you lose your voice. And so for me, I think committing was knowing the truth about myself. Like, this is who I am as a man. Mm-hmm. Am I living up to that? Am I living in concordance with that? The answer was hell no. Yeah. And so I had to make a change. And so it was like, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to be a dope head. Like, I can do whatever I want to do. I knew that. I can be whatever I want to be. I just got to fix my shit. And so I with to work. Wow.
0: Okay. So that I feel like really mm. kind of pairs with the next question and yeah. everything that you said as well. But the other sort of key point I wanted to sort of pull out of your story was you speaking on confronting your father mm. and also how this pairs with that blueprint that you said you've, you had from your family. You were given this blueprint, yeah. you know, metaphorical bl- blueprint of how to be, what values maybe mm. were instilled in you. And you made this choice, and then you went to your father, and he basically said, "I could, I could change your life and write this check, but I won't do it." Yeah. Was that? I just want to. I just want to push into that moment a little bit yeah. more. Did did that moment? Did you feel like was it a was it hopelessness? Was it like I have I you know I'm too far gone? Mm-hmm. Is that like what were those? What was the surrounding feelings around that was it was it motivation like what love mm.
1: thinking back on it wow you have to really love your kid to do what's best for him, even when it's painful yeah and so to disown me to kick me out of the house knowing that i was on drugs knowing that i wasn't safe knowing that i was sleeping Mattresses with no sheets and garages and all mm-hmm. kinds of shit to not save your kid because you love him dude. I can't imagine how much pain I've caused my parents I know it caused a lot you know um, but that's also part of my drive it's like I'll never quit because I, I have to get to my potential I have to mm-hmm. I have to Prove people right who believe in me, and I believe in myself. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was just love and shame on my part, I think. Yeah. And that, and that is like a like a fire, if you will, to show my dad I am the man that
0: you raised. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. Wow, and you know, you you really struck <clears throat> something for me there by saying that it was out of love because to for him to not save you meant that he knew you needed to save yourself and he knew you had it in you to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's keep going with your story because I feel like, you know, that sort of springboards us into the next.
1: You're talking about, you know, what I got from my father and, and I had everything in me. And part of that is I've inherited my father's relentless work ethic Mm -hmm. and drive And when I actually commit to something, you can't stop me. You really can't. And so, why wasn't I in the NBA? It's because I never practiced a day in my life. I was smoking weed and drinking and shit and chasing girls. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, why didn't I do this? Because I I didn't want it, right? And so, for the only first time in my life, all I wanted to do was get off drugs. Done.
0: You committed and you did it. Now what?
1: Okay, I got to get a job and like. Prove that I'm an actual member of society instead of running around the street. Okay, done. And then what do you do when you work? You work as hard as you can to make as most money as you can so that you can, you know, level up your life. And so I just put my head down and went on the grind. And so I think it was 2004 I started selling cars, something like okay. that. And I was still not all the way, you know, focused at the time. Yeah. I would say. You were tunneling things, yourself out. Things really started to change for me to like 2007, I want to say. Okay. <clears throat> and then uh, I started working at a Toyota store. So i sold cars for a decade, but started working at Beaverton Toyota in Oregon uh, in 2008. And then got promoted through that uh, to the sales manager position, which is a good job. It's like mid six figures. And um, for all intents and purposes, like, yeah,
2: you had a good career. Drive, 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 checklist, checklist, <laughs> you know, everything's yep. great. You did you got, it. Yeah. You, yeah, you got dope there.
1: Life. Well, why am I unhappy? Mm -hmm. because i've never pushed myself Mm -hmm. like if i I knew if i applied that drive in my relentless um, nature to a goal i would hit it because my mom told me i could do anything when i was a kid and so i remember looking out the window on the car lot realizing that i'm going to be even fatter than i am now probably smoking cigarettes hating my life because i never took a shot Mm. and i knew that if i failed What's the worst that's gonna happen? Be right back here, making six figures. Right? right. So
0: right, you had built that platform yeah. for yourself,
1: and so I took a shot. I was like, well, what do you want to be when you grow up, Drew?" Well, I didn't know. I typed in good jobs to Google, and Google gave me jobs I didn't like, and because I knew <laughs> who I was at this point. Okay. I started to know who I was as a person, what I loved about my job, what I hated about my job, mm-hmm. you know, kind of what would make me happy in a career. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't find it, and so I was like, "What do I want to be?" Well, I want to be an astronaut, so I was like, Cool, let's do that. That sounds cool. I like space, and so I called NASA because I, like, I want to be an astronaut, and they're like, Drew, you're six foot eight, we don't make shuttles in your size. And I'm just like, "What's well, discrimination, <laughs> right? So I talked to a lawyer. Turns out, just so you know, height's not a protected class. Um,
0: oh man, yeah, which
1: is unfortunate, I yeah, mean, we're, we're far and few between, yeah, but um, I'm just joking, I didn't do that, but it would <laughs> yeah. be cool. I totally – if I really cared, I would have went for it. But I didn't, yeah.
0: you know. So Can I be honest? There was actually a moment in time when uh, when I wasn't even younger that I did want to be an astronaut. Who doesn't? I, Space I really, is awesome. I actually uh, – yeah. I, I went into college not with the intent of being an astronaut, but I switched my major to biology for a semester because I was like, that would be so cool. And then what I – What happened? What I,
1: happened to biology? Biology
0: social sciences i realize are the sciences for me not the uh sciences that you're in (laughs) biomedical
1: yeah and so you know it wasn't even about medicine to be specific like i never had this drive to be a doctor Mm -hmm. you know my mom's a nurse and so that's what happened is i ended up talking to her like if you're lost and you talk like you love your mom like call your mom she'll tell you what to do that's so really true. I called my mom and I was like, Mom, I have no idea what I want to do. And she mentioned healthcare. And there was one point earlier, I think that year, when I had asked her what how her day was, and she said to me that, honey, I had the greatest day. If I could do my job for free, then I would. And I was like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Who would work for free? And it's, it goes along with that thing. Like, if you love what you do, then it's truly not work. Mm-hmm. And my mom is a wound care and ostomy nurse. Like She's oh. one of the people that gets in there with, like, diabetic wounds and things and post-surgical stuff. And, like, she, she's a gangster. Like, she gets in there. And so
0: – Shout out to all the healthcare workers yeah. doing their thing yeah. here yeah. and otherwise. You're
1: all dope. <laughs> um, And so, really, it was a matter of my mom saying – knowing me as a person and like how I like to connect with people and how uh, easily I can find common ground and and build trust. And she's like, Drew, you'd be really good at healthcare. You should look into it. So I'm like, all right, Google healthcare. (laughs) It's like nurse, PA, you know, doctor, all these things. I had no idea. I mean, I was an ex-dope head car salesman, right? I I had no pedigree for looking at health stuff. You know what I mean? So um, I just, I just used my dad. And like how you solve problems, right? And it's like, I'm gonna be a doctor because I knew I'd be mad if I didn't push myself to be the top. Mm -hmm. And so, if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. Do it big. Yeah. If you're gonna take your shot in life, go all the way. Yeah. Leave everything on the field, as they say. Um, And it was truly, how do you become a doctor? And Google spit out, you have to go to school. And I was like, oh shit. I tried that once. It didn't go very well. Yeah. But I didn't actually give it a full effort, actually zero effort at all, except for in Techniques of Relaxation, which I got an A in, which is a great <laughs> course for learning to quiet your mind in the middle of your, it's, you know, on a great. Monday morning after a long weekend, it's a great course.
2: Um, those sound yeah. like a great course. And
1: funny, I got an A in Logic. Other than those two classes, like, I, you know, straight Fs. And so uh, you have to go to school. Okay, let's do it.
0: Can I ask before yeah. you even push into the rest of this? How old were you at this point? Mm. And I ask because I, I think it's say important. I was
1: Twenty. When I actually pulled the trigger, I was yeah. twenty-eight.
0: Yeah. See, that's that's what I want to yeah. hear because I I I hear people who are twenty-five thinking that <clears throat> it's too late for whatever "too late" means. <clears throat> it's like your life just started. Your life just started. Yeah,
1: we're talking about perspective, right? Yeah. People, somebody that doesn't that thinks like that doesn't really have enough perspective
0: mm-hmm. on life
2: mm-hmm. and that's fine yeah
1: and they'll get there but like at 25 you can do anything at
2: right 50 you
1: can do anything do any- you can literally do why. anything with your life that you want to do you have to just decide to do it i talked to my aunt about this kind of mindset that
2: mm-hmm. I had,
1: and she's like you know what true you're right i've always wanted to start a blog i'm like and why haven't you she's like you're right i'm in my own way i was like well just start one what's right. the worst that's gonna happen you get to write about uh what was it restaurants because my grandmother's uh, a career waitress like night waitress yeah back in the day and so like she'll go to the <laughs> restaurants with my my aunt and she'll like pick out everything that's wrong in the scene like they're overstaffed they're understaffed the the yeah. the waitress isn't in line with like her cook and, like all that stuff and so she's gonna start a podcast
0: about restaurants
1: anyway uh um, love
0: it you can get at any age yeah age.
1: so um, you're gonna have to reorient me. I went off
0: Sorry, there. that's a, no, I'm I, that no, a that's okay. I, I, I'm the one who asked you. I yeah. asked you about age before you pulled yeah. the trigger. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we were.
1: <laughs> age is nothing but a number.
0: Yes. So you googled, you googled, you googled, googled it up.
1: <laughs> and in, so what, what life will give you is like a checklist. If any goal that you have, mm-hmm. like literally, pick the biggest thing: astronaut, doctor. How do you become one? Google will tell you. Mm-hmm. Okay, I <laughs> need about. to have a degree in X, Y, or Z. Okay, how do I get that degree? Well, you got to go to school. How do I do that? You got to enroll. How? Go to their website. What's the website? Put <laughs> it in, you'll get the thing. You'll get the forms, and then you fill it out. Like, it's step by step by step.
0: Right.
1: And so, um, math 20.
0: Math 20.
1: Two plus two is four. Four plus mm. four is eight. I got those right at night at Portland Community College. Mm. And I got my first A. And they let me stay. Oh, are you sure? They're like, yeah, you can stay. You can stay. You pay to play, but you, you said, can stay. And so okay. I took another. I took another class. You know, this time I learned long division, uh-huh. and which I've subsequently forgot. I, calculator, but I don't
0: it's even irrelevant. know if long division is what kids are learning at this point. Well, to be honest. Anyway, sorry, I'm sidetracked. If you need, it if, if, you
1: need it, if you're going to be an astronaut, you're stuck in <laughs> yeah. some crazy ass shit like Apollo 13. You better be busted at that long division. You better
0: know. Uh, how. Uh,
1: but uh, you know, not important in my in my current life. And so, um, you know, took another class, and then you realize that you can do it. Yeah, you get positive feedback.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? You get like, you believe you can do something, and then once you get like that feeling of accomplishment. Math 20. Two plus two is four. That's like the lamest shit ever. But like, I had flunked out of school. Um, Ten years later, I'm putting on a backpack with kids that are ten years of my junior, swallowing a huge pride pill, Yeah. doing math 20. And it felt so good. I, was, I did it. Mom, I got an A <laughs> in basic arithmetic. Uh-huh. Right? And so that just snowballed into more confidence for myself and I just went for it. And like change is the scariest shit ever because you are uncomfortable. You don't know what's going to happen. And so I leaned on the worst thing that's going to happen is going to be right here. So let's just go for it. So I resigned from my job and went full time. Um, did two years of community college because it was uh, cost effective. Yeah. Hey. And then transferred to Portland State University and got a degree in molecular biology in 2014. And then um, I always had the goal to go to medical school. That was my 100% focus. That was focus. there, yeah. Like, Portland State, molecular biology, that is all just check boxes right. on the way to where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be molecular biology. I find it interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's given me a, a broad perspective of the world, but, like, I really was just checking these boxes to get into medical school.
0: hmm You were the steps. <clears throat> Google, yeah. Google gave you the steps, and then, literally. And
1: then life finds a way to just slap the shit out of you. Because... You work your ass off. You change your life. You, you're a completely different person mentally mm. and emotionally. Like literally completely different human being yep. than I was earlier in my life. Yet mistakes and decisions I made when I was a kid trailed along and followed me my entire life. Including when I applied to medical school. I had missed a checkbox.
2: Mm.
1: Which I'm glad that I did because I might not have... Gone afterwards. Okay. All, which is that when you apply to medical school, you all of your schooling, all college coursework gets brought into the pot for your cumulative GPA. So here I am sitting pretty with a three point nine six thinking I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> and then I, I'm like, what? I have to bring these other courses in. And so I pulled my my transcript up and I brought over a really hot one point six GPA with like two years of coursework into a three point nine six, mm. which doesn't really translate very well so i think i applied like 90 schools and i got one interview my home institution and it's funny the bedside manner is really important right being able to communicate is imperative in life but especially in medicine and i've taken my skill from selling cars which is really nothing other than building trust and common ground because people wanna buy cars, otherwise it wouldn't be there. Right. And like if you're a sleazebag bag, then they're not gonna buy a car. But if I make you feel safe and like help you make a decision you already want to make by being a normal person, then you sell a car. So like just like with patients, if you connect with them and learn their name and like really care and give something of yourself in that connection, like it's better than medicine half the time. But in terms of, I lost it again. Damn.
0: That's okay. That's- <laughs> so
1: few. So, no. No. So, we were talking about. Um,
0: the GPA was the really GPA. kind of what brought yeah, you
1: there. Thank you. Yeah. I swore I'm smart. Um, and so, my whole life experience had trained me for this interview. Uh-huh. Because I walk in and it's this multiple mini interview scenario where you have to walk in and like to some heat and like solve real life problems. And so that's my, that's what I've been doing my whole life. And so I walk into this door, you open it up and guess what the scenario was. It was an upset lady who was at a service center for her vehicle. <laughs> who, who, who was late for work and she was really upset.
0: <laughs> no and way. So
1: my job as an interviewee was to go into that room and like literally disarm that, that, that person in that scenario and like come up with problem solving. Wow. And I, I do that every day. Yeah. Like, People's car break down They come and they scream at me They yell at me And then I You know Bring them down Conflict resolution And sell their car And for this person I literally Took it all apart In like 30 seconds And we had five minutes To the point to where She was looking at her friend She said I don't know what to do <laughs> so I, Okay <laughs> but so like That's great. i mean the fact that i had those life experiences made that so much easier for me to do right, right. In this particular school the one school that i could get into had this particular interview set up which was perfect for me whereas people that didn't have life experience didn't have connections and the you know finding out who they were because they went right through school find it extremely intimidating and very very hard and so it was just meant to be and so yeah i got in medical school in 2019 at the ohsu and then um decided to become an orthopedic surgeon, which is also the hardest shit you can possibly do. And I so, can imagine. Like, you have to be the top of your class. Yeah. Uh, in the t- top, probably 10% in the country, medical school. So once you start getting up there, the pool is different. Right. In terms of the caliber of people. and mm-hmm. like, I'm not even close to as smart as probably 85% of my peers. I make up for it in emotional intelligence and work ethic. It takes me twice as long to study, which sucks, but like, that's what it is. That's what it that's is. A, you, they're smarter than I am. You know, I have to work harder. You
0: know the blueprint, though, yeah. for you. You know yeah. what you have to do. You yeah. know exactly who you are, exactly how you fit in, and exactly what that equation is. You thought, yes. At the time. At, at the, the time. time, I
1: thought I was wrong.
0: Well, here we are. We're we're about right. halfway through the show right now. Uh, so right. we are kind of creeping up on the past few years. Yeah. So, I mean, you become an orthopedic surgeon and you're practicing for a
1: How long? So, of qualifications. So, when you graduate from medical school, you are a doctor. Mm -hmm. uh, And then you take uh, board certifications, board tests afterwards, which Mm -hmm. I've taken in the past. uh, And you have to do training, whatever specialty you'd like to go into. Okay. Uh, And so, I chose orthopedic surgery. You put in – you interview all over the country. I was very fortunate to match at Penn. uh, And that's what brought me to Philadelphia in 2019. And so, um, as a doctor, training to be an orthopedic surgeon, um, I was – faced with things that, um, most people never see in their life, um, yeah. true, the true effect of how broken our system is, mm. is a good way to put it.
0: You just and, gave me a chill. I'm just, uh, you know, I mean, visually for everyone that. Cause is... you,
1: you can't, I mean, people have opinions and they're important and people talk about these topics and it's important and people have perceptions of things. Politically, I might even gonna get into it, but like more, more um, Democrats tend to be uh, more pro-social type issues, uh, like healthcare and all these healthcare access and all these things. than conservatives doesn't mean that they're not; they just think about the same issue in different ways, right? right? And so sometimes people can think about numbers and think about systems, but not think about people mm-hmm. because people and people's behavior are what dictates everything. You can put a nice shiny thing on whatever you want, but how that person interacts with that's what's important. Right. And so I had my own preconceived perceptions challenged every single day dealing with the horror show that our um, healthcare system is. And then you add on top of that, the gun violence escalation from COVID and this shit just got out of control. Um, And so as a, as a person who's been through some shit and intimately associated myself with the street growing up and who's at this time, my best friend in the world is dead. He's my brother and he's African-American, So my brother and being entrenched in the African-American community and really loving the culture and every single person just in general, but like, I mean, it's my jam. That's how I grew yeah, up in a, in, a, in a roundabout way. And so to see people, I'm using blanket terms here, people coming into the trauma bay shot at a rate that's sickening, meaning we're stacking bodies in the back uh-huh. of the trauma bay because they're coming in so frequently.
2: Yeah.
1: It, you're tr- Excuse me, you're trying to save these kids. And, you know, people don't understand how, how – crazy it gets yeah to try to save somebody's life that's been shot and so um i didn't appreciate at the time how much ptsd i had developed and how much trauma i had developed as an individual because the way i am is i connect with my patients and so to do that you have to give something of yourself and so when they die it's it's real heavy <sighs> not to get into it too much but um yeah. a lot of gunshot trauma a lot of death really fucked me up
2: yeah
1: Uh, and I wasn't able to provide care in the way I wanted to because of the time constraints of the system, all of that, plus some other things that that I'll fully own, led me to to decide not to return to medicine. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's the most amazing thing ever. Because if you take a situation like what just happened to me in July, meaning that after coming through everything that I have in my life, I literally have arguably the best job in the world, there's 35,000 orthopedic surgeons in right. the country. Roughly 356 million people. That's like 0.00001%.
0: You are at the top, top. Yeah, I mean, you're of- the,
1: the the income potential is 600,000 dollars a year without breaking a sweat. Um, the job sucks. How are you supposed to know that until you actually get into it? And then how are you supposed to navigate out of that if
2: mm-hmm. you haven't
1: had life experience or built up, you know? A strong sense of self, and so I wasn't happy. I knew I wasn't happy, and so it was this is time to pivot. And I had made connections with uh, my best friend Lige, uh, who was a gunshot victim in the hospital. That's how we met. We oh. took care of his arm. Uh, turns out he was wrong place, wrong time, but he had been trying to reduce gun violence in Philadelphia through gloves up, guns down. Dude's <laughs> a beast. He's like undefeated the guy, like doesn't stop.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We talked about it the other day. I told him he should be a professional boxer. He's like, yeah, I just don't want it. He likes he likes to do it, but he doesn't want it.
0: He doesn't want he totally it. Totally could yeah. Totally could. He totally could.
1: Anyway, like he introduced me to Philadelphia and the street. And so since then we've been working together, uh, and through my my other resume, not the one I gave to Penn, but mm-hmm. through the street, like he vouched for me and gave me credibility to go out and start meeting people and like try to actually start to change some shit. And so, um started with him. Yeah. You know, I'm so proud of him. He he changed his life. He's working on Amazon and like he's propelling himself towards goals of making the world a better place through what he's going to do. But after leaving, (laughs) you have a choice to make. You're either going to lay down or you're going to get up. And so I lost this lost, you know, left this career. And at the time I had a two year relationship with an unbelievable one, nothing but love for her. And they were both ripped away (sighs) five, five days of each other. And so, wow. here we go again.
0: Whoa.
1: I'm on rock bottom again. But this time, I don't think that I have problems. Mm. But at the same time, Drew, how the fuck do you lose, quote unquote, lose your career and your girl within five days and you're straight? Nah. Something's off. You don't even know it's off.
0: Interesting. So,
1: I went to work. I got the tools out and I went to work. (laughs) And that's what I've been doing since. And so, you're meeting me after... You know, there's this quote, like, you know, disappear for six months, work on yourself, work on your goals, you know, bah, 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 yeah. bah, and then come back out and shine.
0: Yeah, like build in silence yeah. type thing. That's just real. Yeah.
1: I did it for eight, and here I am. And so the truth is, is that I needed to have both of those things ripped away from me. Because if, if it was one or the other, I would have just brushed it off. You know, I'll just take the hit and keep moving. I've been doing it my whole life. But to have both of them taken away at the same time, and to 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 have the reflection to to take accountability for my part and both of those things, um, really gave me a lot of a lot of things to think about, and I started reflecting all the way back to when I was a kid. Like, why did I do that? What drew something's fucked up, dude? Like, figure out what it is so this never happens again, mm. and uh it came down to literally finding my weaknesses, my insecurities, like how situations at work while I was sleep deprived and um, just emotionally just gassed yeah. uh, affected m- my relationship, my attitude, the things that I said, my actions, my moves. And like, I started going all the way back to when I was a kid.
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: why did I make these choices? And I figured out that I had to, I had this emotionality to me. I had this, thing where i'm very passionate and so if i if i feel it i'll say it and it doesn't have to be a bad thing um you know i'm the first one to jump into a dance circle and get it going six foot eight like i get down like you know what i mean i'm I'm that kind of guy and so when i'm passionate and it's about a a hot button topic sometimes i don't think about what i say before i say and it's not inflammatory and like derogatory towards anybody but it's emphatic and it's a statement right Mm -hmm. and so Sometimes I realize that I don't really appreciate what I'm saying in the context of the situation that I'm in, who's listening, what they're going to think of it, mm-hmm. the way that I'm saying it, the situation surrounding that. And then what is my goal in life? Like, who am I talking to? Because if I start talking, start talking like this and start, you know, talking about the street blah, 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 and I'm talking to, you know, Dr. Meta, who's – very straight laced. If you get his name wrong, he's going to eat you alive. Right. Yeah. And so if I start talking like that, it's not going to be well received. But if I, you know, Dr. Mehta, Dr. Andrew Summers, blah, 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 start talking like that, it's different. Right. right. So it's, it's just, it's, they're both real. It's just about making sure that you're moving in the right space. And so um, just chopped myself apart and I couldn't figure it out. I was in so much pain.
0: I mean, I can just, just thinking about, and I'm just going to pause you right there yeah. because it's, you know, thinking about this situation for you again, now knowing so much of your backstory or, you know, the main pieces of mm-hmm. your backstory and what you have been through, you're now at this what many people would consider a pinnacle yeah. of life. And both the two most important things for you in life, your your personal relationship yeah. and your professional career are taken. Yeah. And you're here trying to figure out what the heck is happening. And you're saying that there's a point where you can't, can't figure it out. Yeah.
1: The key, and like I was able to do this only because I had time alone. Mm-hmm. That's so key. Okay. If you're trying to like level up and figure out who you are as a person, like you have to unplug from everything. And so Such I was in Philly. Events. I didn't know anybody. My my entire social circle just evaporated because I'm no longer with my my ex. My social circle at work is evaporated because we work 110 hours a week. I mean, 80 hours a week. And um, while I'm not functionally interacting, therefore it doesn't exist, right? Right? And so I found myself sitting on the edge of my bed with the rent paid, food in the fridge, no real stress other than I don't have a job now and I don't have a girlfriend and I don't know anybody. Philly's kind of lonely. What are you gonna do, big guy? Well, shit. And as soon as you're alone, you start thinking about stuff. So yeah. that's when I decided to just get a pen and a notebook. And I walked around Philadelphia for like, it was actually 44 days. Exactly. Because I know when it happened. Um, to figure this shit out. This wow. emotionality. And I sat in uh, Rittenhouse Park and I wrote and reflected and couldn't get there. Until I was so upset that I looked up at the ceiling and I asked God. And I said, oh, I can't do this on my own i fucking can't i can't and like i was raised christian but me and the big guy you know i know he's there but like we never really talk.
0: you didn't have a lot of conversation no we didn't have a lot of conversation
1: yeah um but looking back on it like he's been an active like bumper bowling if you will to keep (laughs) me from like going in the gutter even though i was trying to and i was in the gutter like he was trying to keep me from Fallen off there, to bring yeah. me here because honestly, after asking God to come into my life, just to fucking help me. Cause like, yeah, I needed it. He came the next day and wow. had a spiritual experience. And since then it's like the way I think is completely different. Everything that doesn't matter is now faded away. And what matters now is realizing the true purpose of life for me. Yeah. And once I found that and matched that with who I am as a person, it was abundantly clear what I needed to do, which is why I'm sitting here talking to you.
0: You, there, oh, there's so much. I wanna, I wanna uh, kind of jump into a lot of things, but we only have 12 minutes left, so I'm gonna. Yes, you got
1: to bring me back, Brie. I will have. What to, do you guys think? Let's do it.
0: There will be a part yeah, two. will talk,
1: talk about whatever.
0: I know. Yeah. Well, I know that there's a lot uh, to talk about too, and just you know, behind the scenes, we usually I'll have a quick pre-interview, but our pre-interview turned into like an hour and a half, and then yeah. we had several more long conversations. Well, it's so you're dope. Yeah. Hey. Uh, so I, w- what I want to talk about right now, kind of w- at that stopping point, uh, a couple things. One, you said you understood purpose and this whole, I mean, a dope individual is someone mm. who's driving on purpose every yeah. day. That is how I interpret that. And I want to, I want to know what your interpretation of purposes and, and, uh, what that, what that means to you, because it seems like you came yeah. to it. And then I do want to talk about, you know, how this has led into what you're doing now, yeah. what you're pursuing, uh, in these final few minutes, I'll also do a little bit of a rapid fire and then you have the floor to leave everyone with your last words. Sweet. All right. But let's get into the purpose piece.
1: All right. So for me, I really feel that life is a journey within yourself mm-hmm. to figure out who you really are and like find what makes you happy, not in like a fleeting way, but like what truly. Brings you substance in life. Find your God given ability, whatever that is, and then try to share it with the world. Um, So, if you can look back on your life and know that you tried to do good and you tried to touch somebody's life in a positive way or improve the lives of other people, and you know you've done that, then you can. Rest well and know that you've lived a purpose-driven life, mm-hmm. and so to have a mindset of abundance and and just being a good person is what my purpose is. And so I want to share everything that I've been through and the mindset that I've adapted, which we haven't really talked about much today, um, into fixing everything. Yeah, because I figured it out. I know it sounds crazy, but I did.
0: Do you want to? Do you want to kind of give us the? brief version the abbreviated synopsis of that or and how that kind of goes into what you're working on now we've got we've got the 10 minutes yeah so So i think
1: i think that um me figuring out uh myself has allowed me to and having the time to Mm -hmm. think is what's key and what's propelled me here because i never would have gotten here on my own i don't think so i mean a and I'm not gonna proselyze or anything. I mean, it's not who I am. Like me and God are gonna have our own relationship, but this is not this is not who I am, and I think he can forgive me for that. But um, sure you know, without man. without those experiences, right? Without everything that led up to this point, like I have this like literal catalogue in my brain of the human experience. Because mm-hmm. I've been through a lot of shit more than most people less than many people but like for me it's it's a lot and so yeah. i can find common ground with anybody what does that mean that means that if i can find crown, common ground with anybody then that means that we share commonality mm-hmm. well what if we look different what if our religion's different what if we speak a different language what if, if the list goes on right well the truth is we're both human beings we're both on this planet. We're sharing it together. We both go through the world and the way we interact with it is based on our on our perceptions and our perspectives, which are both based on and challenged by our experiences in life. And right. then how are those experiences really formed? They're formed based on how we were raised.
0: Bring and it even, back to that blueprint. It's
1: all about that. And there's scientific stuff and I don't want to get all sciency, but like we talked about it a little last night, the mm-hmm. ACES study, the adverse childhood events. And so if I can break... Anybody down into fundamental emotion. Like, why did you do that? Why did you cheat on that person? Why did you punch that person? Why did you shoot that person? The reason is in the emotion. Yeah. Right. I mean, because a punch is an extension of how we feel, a gun is an extension of our arm, it's a firearm, it's an extension of how we feel. Right. And so, how are you feeling? Do you even know? I'm sure you do, but are you willing to, like, pop the top off that son of a bitch and talk about it? The answer is no. <laughs> the
0: answer is no. why?
1: Because it fucking hurts. Yeah. A lot. Trust me, I know. And so that's the fundamental key to everything is to love yourself, forgive yourself for the mistakes you've made, own them. Because you can say you're sorry until you're blue in the face. It doesn't mean shit. People say actions are louder than words, right? But so for you to take accountability, mm-hmm. if you're sorry for something or regret doing something or want to change something about yourself, you have to take accountability. And how do you do that? Through action. You change. You adjust. You pivot. You heal. You heal. Perfect.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's not like healed done, because – When I when I went to work, I went with the axes. Like I was a mess. But what I found is never going to go away. Like my insecurities as a kid. Like my insecurity. I'll tell you what it is. I was in sixth grade. I wonder if she'll ever see this. Rachel Consort. If you're out there, (laughs) shout out. Um, I wanted the prom queen. My my vision of myself was like, yeah, I can date her. But it never pained out in reality my friend zone so i had then turned on the bad boy to adjust for that yeah because it's environmental pressure Mm -hmm. right and so that cascaded me rachel it's all your fault um, (laughs) cascaded me down into like drugs and all that kind of shit i mean where (laughs) are you we need to talk (laughs) no i'm joking but like seriously and so that and it's not her it, it is the um, the truth that it hurts to want to be with a girl that doesn't want you, mm-hmm. right? And so that reflects on just our human existence about wanting to be liked yeah. in general. And then you add on like the love portion of it, right? And it really hurts. Mm-hmm. And so finding that insecurity in sixth grade, literally like four or five months ago, if I ever feel doubt about a future relationship or um feelings of you know does she really like me or whatever right i can pull out rachel Consor out of my pocket and look at that and be like drew you're feeling this way is this even relevant anymore do girls like you <laughs> <laughs> no but i'd be like Different is 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 who you are now reflective of this insecurity and the answer is no Mm -hmm. that emotion is always going to be there it's going to come up it's going to pop out in some random way five years from now but i did the work to where i can pull it out and be like yeah no that ain't real yeah put it away and avoid arguments and avoid acting like an asshole and having to like apologize to your spouse or your partner because you acted foolishly out of emotion because you haven't dealt with the reason why you're even doing that.
0: Why it happened to begin with.
1: And you don't even know because you haven't dealt with the emotion to begin with, which mm-hmm. lies in your childhood. <laughs> childhood trauma.
0: Yeah. It's yep. a fact.
1: And yeah. so everything that we do as adults is like out of some, born out of some beginning when yeah. we were a kid and how we develop, which I know is something that's important to you.
0: That's very important yeah. to me. I mean, we we could talk all day about this, yeah. but I think... So should... I'm going to take
1: that, put it in a podcast. It's no bullshit, <laughs> yeah. like straight up. I don't care who you are in terms of it's not going to affect me yeah you can i'm going to talk about um you know some pretty serious shit like structural oppression and racism and gentrification and the system oh shit drew be careful yeah you should be but do it in a way that we can have conversations Mm -hmm. because we forgot how to talk to each other
0: Right. That's we why need to open the dialogue. Po- that's why there's a
1: political divide. That's why people are screaming at each other because they're emotional babies and they've, they've never really dealt with the reason why they even feel like that. Yeah. Why do you feel like that? You have no fucking idea. It's crazy. What if I could have a conversation with you? I've got a guy that follows me right now that trolled me on an Instagram live. Literally, I was able to do it in three seconds. Trolling me, trolling me, trolling me. And I was like, hey, man, I'm happy to hear your opinion. Why don't you come on up and talk about it if you feel that way? And he's like, okay. I brought him up on Instagram Live. I was like, hey, did you know this? This is why I feel like this. And I'm happy to hear your opinion. Me hear it. And he was told me something I didn't know. Do I know if it was true? No, but I said, well, that's really interesting. I've never heard that before. Do you have like the citation so I can look at that data up and yeah. compare it to my own viewpoint? Right. And so like, actually blasting apart this emotional back and forth the thing when you get with people that troll you, like you want to yell back at them, or you feel bad, engage them because mm-hmm. th- those people are hurting too because they don't even know why they're trolling. Why are you trolling somebody? Because you you are hurt. It's your only reason. That's that's like your get back.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: feeling less than and not being accepted. Now you have a voice and you can you can say whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. And so while that's a very blanket statement, that's the core emotion. Right. It, right? So, There's
0: room for the dialogue. Though. Yeah. There's and room so for dialogue.
1: like. Like for example, you want to hear some inflammatory shit, like quote unquote. And I thought about this and it's really been bothering me because, like I said, my brother's African American and I never appreciated that, hmm. that dichotomy because that's my family. I don't think about it. Yeah. I don't think about him like he's black. But when I was a kid, right? 17, 18, 19, 20, like You don't think about that kind of thing, but I wish I would have yeah. because I never asked him things that are so important to me. Because of how much I love him. Like I I never realized that I could stand right next to my brother and be in a different world than him. Just as a color just as a function of the color of his skin, which is bullshit. Because as a doctor, we're blank cartridges. Like literally, the color of our skin has nothing to do with anything. It's a societal construct. It's an accumulation of melanin in your like epidermis. No, dermis. Doesn't mean shit. Yeah. We put a label on it. Right? It is the environment and the pressures on a developing human brain, which pound for pound, white baby, black baby, green baby, as long as they're the same, will develop in a certain way depending on the pressures that are put on them. So no fucking wonder it's like it is. Yeah. And so to be able to tell it like it is, at least like be real about it, and then come to a discussion knowing that you don't know shit about anything and asking questions. Like, the example is, when do you have the talk as an Mm African-American? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. And what does that sound like? It must be fucking horrible. How do you even have that conversation with your kid? I'm a father. How do you tell a kid that doesn't even know yet that he's black? That he's black. And this is what everybody thinks about you just because of the color of your skin. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you have that talk? And then if you come from a family that's fragmented because... Of you know generational cycles of you know misappropriation of the penal system, food deserts, you, know, yeah. you name it, all of it, healthcare disparities, yeah. list it all down. Guess what? There's a reason. Slavery. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't. It-, it doesn't mean we can't talk about it. We just have to call it like it is. Like I'm admitting that this system is fucked up. I'm admitting that I don't know shit about what it is actually like to go there. But I'm about as close as you can get because of my past. And I and I I'm coming from a place of love. And so on my, my podcast, I'm going to be talking about stuff like that. I'm going to be talking about how to how to like actually get anything you want in life. How to like literally rewire your brain. I'm going to feed it to you on a silver spoon. And like literally 10% of the people are actually going to take me up on that advice. But if I can change one life, just one, then it's all going to be worth it.
0: Then that one life changes. One. Everything will be that's worth it. think Tupac,
1: yeah. Tupac said he doesn't think he's going to change the world. But if he could change the one person that will go on to change the world, that's what he's about.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I believe in, in his legacy, if you will, that that, 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 that's, that will hold true. Absolutely. Yeah
0: absolutely oh i mean i i want to go we are definitely gonna have to do a part two Yeah, everyone it's gonna happen because we're new for
1: season two we just started (laughs) (laughs) we haven't talked about the the 501c3 we don't have time we'll do it next
0: time we'll do it next time it'll be fully Um, running next time we talk. yeah awesome well then we'll have yeah Yeah. then we'll have more to talk about as well yeah Yeah, because it'll be up and running it'll tell us how it's going but let's do a quick rapid fire we got a little bit of a about a five minute extension here thanks to gotham podcast studio (laughs) <laughs> they're awesome here Ugh. so we got we got a couple extra minutes so uh let's go into rapid fire and then i'm gonna uh really leave you the floor for the last couple of minutes tell everyone where they can find you yeah your uh you know whatever message you want to leave with everyone as well
1: hit me with the good stuff Don't...
0: All, right. all right here we go all right let's go so in the beginning of the podcast i talked about three pillars development decision making and a dedication to purpose yeah. uh, that's what these questions are on so the first one is right now Currently in this very moment, are you working more on personal development or professional development?
1: Right now, I'm professional, because yes. I put in eight months of work on personal. Great. It's yeah. time, it's
0: time for the it's yeah. time to talk about that 501c theory. Yeah. Uh, okay. Question number two, I'm gonna ask you this one and then give you a little bit of uh, an explanation before you answer. When you make decisions, okay, in terms of decision making, yeah. do you make your decisions more based on choice or guiding voice? Choice, meaning you follow numbers, analytics, and data. Guiding voice, meaning you follow intuition, spirituality, gut, feeling, or something else of the sort. So do you come to the decision or does the decision come to you? That's really what that question asks. Choice. You can't be
1: oblivious to the data.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You have to make smart moves,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right? But you're going to get in your own way. And so what you're talking about is your your intuition or your gut. What that actually is is scientific. It's your brain telling you.
0: Whatever it is
1: that this situation is one way or the other, dangerous, not dangerous. I like this person. Mm-hmm. I don't. Ah, that Drew guy, I want to punch him in the face, and I don't know why. It's because <laughs> my face or my demeanor is triggering your brain's memory of something that you've experienced in the past, and so it's throwing up red flags. We can get into dating and all that other stuff yeah, based on that. So, for sure. um, but yeah, so it is literally just checking, knowing ahead of time, I'm going to make this decision. Is this a sound decision? Will it work? Yeah. Okay. And then go with the gut and just make a snap decision. And okay. So I make quick decisions. And if you've seen me over the last eight months, you be like, what the hell is Drew doing? Because I'm going bing, 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 trying to find my way to, to this. And it's just me going with my gut. Yeah.
0: Really okay. And, All right. Um,
1: and finding the shortest path to success for what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I found it.
0: Awesome. All right. And the last one is a dedication to purpose. So mm-hmm. this one, um, I am curious to know. Is dedicating yourself or your life to purpose or something purpose-filled, is that a singular pivotal moment in time or is that a daily practice?
1: What do you mean? Have I been doing that for a long time, thinking about that?
0: I mean like once, once you understand purpose and mm. how it fits into your life, is that – do you understand it and then it's just it there? Becomes, mm. It becomes
1: part of who you are. You can't – when you know something, you can't unknow it. You can deny it, okay, but you can't unknow truth when you feel it or when you hear it. And so for me, and I, and I'm pretty sure it's universal, once you realize that there's a different way to think and a different way to move being genuine and being real and and putting forth this purpose-driven life, like you operate differently. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my friend, like it's people who have purpose and go after what they want to do and like live like that are quote unquote real real ones right yeah. what does that mean it means they've gone through their trauma and they've done those things to yeah. like use their experiences to to grow and so um it's literally just as simple as that
0: okay yeah i like that answer i think that that, that you know it describes how purpose fits into yeah. your like life
1: you just think differently yeah you interact with the world yeah. differently once you assume that there's no going back. There's no going back. Awesome. I don't have to check it
0: anymore. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> it feels real. Yeah. And when it's real, you don't have this reality check. You're mm. not like like the Matrix. You're not trying to like figure it out. Like it just is. Yeah. So.
0: All right. Well, that's the end of my rapid fire. Uh, I'm going to leave you the floor for the last couple minutes. Uh, let everyone know where they can find you. If you want to talk about, you know, what you're working on. And then yeah. uh, last final words for thoughts for everyone.
1: Yeah. So my name is Drew. As we Like I'll never get. Never go by doctor. I always <laughs> tell my patients, don't call me that. Yeah. You call me Dr. Drew. Uh, you know, in Philly, they call me the doc. Okay. Um, what I ask about Drew. Um, but it, I think that the most important thing to take out of all of this is that you have a choice how to live your life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it sometimes because we're scared and so, I would encourage anybody listening to start to try to find out who they are. And you do that by telling your loved ones, people in your life, that I'm going to take the weekend off. I'm going to unplug my phone. Here's where I'm going to be at. If you can afford it, go somewhere, find a motel, fucking Bates Motel, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, find somewhere where yeah. you can be alone, turn your phone off, and start reflecting on your life. Mm-hmm. Or are you happy? Yes or no? If the answer is mm-hmm. no, figure out what it is and cut it out of your life. I had to do the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life it was was tell my ex-wife that I didn't want to be married to her anymore. Mm-hmm. It was soul crushing. And that's why people cheat on people because it's way harder to tell somebody across the table, I don't love you anymore. Yeah, She's a great person and we're like awesome co-parents. But the point is, is like I knew that for me to be happy, I couldn't be in that relationship anymore. Right. And so you only live this life one time, whether you believe in reincarnation or not. Like this go around, you got one shot. One shot. And let me tell you, I've seen some horrible shit. It can end like that. I've seen accomplished business people literally just going to open their car door, get hit by buses. I've seen moms get hit by trains, leaving th- three. I mean, I've seen some horrible shit that puts a stamp on the fact that I could be gone tomorrow. You could be gone tomorrow. So if you're not happy, figure it out. Figure it out. Because you can't help or, like, enrich anybody else's life unless you got your shit together. Yeah. Otherwise, like, you have nothing to give. And so if you are in a situation where you need to give, if you're a mom or, like, you're a teacher or you're somebody who is expected to be a giving person, like, you got to protect yourself. And so if you're not whole or you're not happy, then figure out what it is and cut it out. And I guarantee you the initial pain is the best decision I ever made for my son, for my relationship, for everything, because it allowed me to be happy and pursue the life I wanted to live. Is it selfish? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think that it's okay to be selfish with your own happiness. As long as you communicate. Why? Yeah. Yeah. I have to do this because I'm unhappy. Here's why. Here's how hard it is for me to tell you this. Blah, 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 blah. And then you can heal and move on. And the grass is greener on the other side when you let go of shit. Relationships, people that are toxic, just cut them off. Don't ghost people you go on a date with because that's rude. Or like, <laughs> ghost toxic relationships with one message. This just isn't working for you anymore. I respect you. I love you. Like, there's go. no beef, but I just have to move on with my life. Yeah. You're welcome to come, but... I can't. I have to move different. Yeah. And if they love you, they'll respect that. And if not, fuck them. They weren't supposed to be in your life anyway.
0: It's a solid message. It really is. And uh, let everyone know where they can find you oh, before we wrap um, it up.
1: So you can find. I, I'm literally just starting. I'm not a big social media guy, but okay. right now I have to have it. So it's not a normal MD, which is fitting. All one <laughs> word, lowercase. Not a normal MD on Instagram. Uh, or the Doc on Fire podcast Mm -hmm. on YouTube. It just started off with some real legit facts about COVID because people are coming up to me with some crazy shit that's not true. And so I started putting out some actual legitimate information so that's definitely
0: definitely what worth watching listening to checking it out so no matter where you start your social media like you are doing incredible things so um i will make sure to post all of those as well so everyone listening and watching can um get in touch with you see what you're up to um and that's it for today so uh dr andrew summers drew everyone it has been such a pleasure seriously i seriously uh appreciate you i thank you for coming on sharing your knowledge sharing your story and until next time let this be the moment